God of Jesus, give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ so that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Help us to know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of your power at work in us. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name, our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from Genesis chapter 24, verses 34 through 38. Listen for the word of the Lord. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house, to my kindred, and get a wife for my son. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, and verses 28 to 30. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, and verses 28 through 30. Listen for the word of the Lord. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, and I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is a pleasure to be here. I take this privilege as an honor. So grateful to the session, the pastors, and you, the congregation, for allowing me to be here and be your intern. You get to see me twice, so this is the first time. Please come back the next time. <laughs> I also want to take a point of per personal privilege to thank my friends and family who have come to watch me either crash and burn or, you know, Thank you for your support and prayers. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. 
Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations through Christ our Lord. Now let the words of your servant shared and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and God. Amen. Now, when I started to prepare for this sermon, I wasn't sure really what I was going to say. So I went to the lectionary. And picking out the passages that I did, this was a challenging passage in that it's not really a whole story. There are three separate parts in this chapter. There's the first part where Jesus has just sent his disciples away and, and John wants to send his disciples to him to ask questions. And then the middle part where the cities that Jesus has gone to rejected him and John. And then finally, there is an invitation. This synoptic opens with Jesus finishing the instructions and commanding his disciples, sending them out like sheep to the wolves. Then Jesus continues to teach and preach in the surrounding region. Also at that time, John the Baptist is in prison for speaking out against Herod's marriage. John was hearing about all the things that Jesus was doing, and then he sent his disciples in verse 3 to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we have been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Are you the Messiah? Jesus doesn't answer directly and asks them to go back and tell John what they have heard and seen. Is seeing believing? Jesus lists what he has been doing. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cured, those possessed of demons are relieved, people are raised from the dead, and the good news is preached to the poor. Now, was it that John started to doubt because he only heard what was going on? And if he was to prepare the way, then why was he in prison? Was Jesus really the Messiah? In the book of John, chapter 20, verse 25, like Thomas, John needed proof. Jesus answered John's doubts by pointing to all these miracles as evidence. Then Jesus spoke to the crowd about John and said he was he was the end of the line of prophets looking forward to the reign of God, which was now, according to Jesus, at hand. John is the Elijah who was to come prior to God's anointed one. John and Jesus both suffered rejection by a spoiled generation of children who cannot be satisfied to make up their minds or believe. Jesus condemned their attitudes and their hypocrisy. No matter what Jesus said or did, they were in opposition. He challenged their self-centered, comfy, secure lives, and they ignored the burden that they had placed on the people 
with regard to the law, heaping more and more laws. Oftentimes in our lives, we also choose to ignore or justify our inconsistencies because listening to God may cause us to be inconvenienced or we may have to change what we're doing. Theologian Carl Michelson said, the Christian gospel is a proclamation which strikes the ear of the world with a force of a hint. Some get it and some do not. To those who do, it is the power of God unto salvation. To those who do not, it can seem a scandal and offensive. As the chapter continues in verse 18 and 19, Jesus is expressing sharp reprimand to the cities and places that he had ministered to because they didn't believe him and rejected him and John. Jesus said, if some of the wickedest cities, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, Sodom had even seen what he had done, they would have rep repented, repented of their evil, and they would still be around. But it will be better for those cities than for Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum. Next for a moment, um, let us look at two comparisons. Comparisons of the tensions that were caused by Jesus and John. First, the Israelites of that time refused John because he was too austere. He was living in the desert and eating strange food. So they called him demon-possessed. And Jesus, on the other hand, was too sociable. So they labeled him a drunkard and a glutton. Second, John had a table of fellowship with no one because he was living on the fringe and then imprisoned. On the other hand, Jesus had table and fellowship with everyone and anyone, even tax collectors and sinners, the outcast of society. In Matthew 7, 16, by their fruits, you will know them. In a similar manner, in verse 19, it reads that yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Because the people were seeing the deeds, this declarative statement introduces wisdom as a personified person. And later in this text, Jesus will be identified as the image of divine wisdom and God's revelation. There are many passages in the Old Testament that speak to the obscurity of wisdom and how it is a very much desired thing to have. In Job 28, but where shall wisdom be found? In Proverbs 8, 22 and 36, and the Lord created me at the beginning of his work. I was beside him like a master worker. Early Christians saw Jesus as the incarnation of God's eternal wisdom, Logos. Moving on to the very familiar text, 
verses 25 through 30. This is also part of the wisdom tradition. And it starts with a thanksgiving, then a proclamation, and then an invitation. Thanksgiving, O Father in heaven and of earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Jesus mentions two kinds of people here, those arrogant in their own knowledge and those that are childlike, humble and open to receiving the truth of God's word. Then comes the proclamation, God has entrusted everything to me. This is Jesus again revealing who he is, the Son of Man. And finally, an invitation. Come to me, all of you. Come to me, all of you. That means everybody who are weary and carry heavy burdens, the burdens of stresses, the burdens of worry, the burdens of the excess religious demands that the people were placing on the Israelites. Everybody, come to me. And I promise you a rest of love, healing, and peace with God. Not at the end and not an end to all your labor, but I will be a co-laborer with you. And Jesus is doing the heavy lifting transforming that labor into meaningful productivity and a purposeful life. When you commit to the duties that you have been called to and you submit to the yoke of Jesus, this submission is not obligatory. You're not bounded to the duty, but you are called to the duty. Then you take his yoke and you will find rest in holy captivity to the duty for which you were created. And are you really free? No, you're not free if you are being disobedient. Freedom comes in obedience. For Christ, all things are doable, and with God, all things are possible. Let me teach you Christ is telling us this is a lifelong process of learning because he is humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. A holy holiday, if you will, a restorative retreat. For my yoke is easy, my yoke is easy compared to the crushing alternatives of the burdens of your life and his burden is light. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there because you are not alone. You have help. Because God, through his gift of grace in Jesus Christ, we are provided rest and we can live liberated. Most of us have five senses. Some of us also have a sixth sense or heightened or hypersensitivity. When one or more of these senses is affected, the others will tend to accommodate. Imagine for me, with me for a moment, 
If you were asked to give up one of your senses, which one would you relinquish? I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I have all my senses. And usually I have the ability to make sense out of most things. But if given the choice, I would choose not to lose my sight. With glasses, I'm corrected to 2020. And although I can still navigate around my house without them sometimes, I still need them. When I went to the doctor recently, uh, eye doctor, and I was talking to the tech, and she said to me, most people just need to be corrected to 2020 vision. They have the ability to correct us beyond that. However, you only need to see so far. Well, seeing beyond, I understand and I know that God has given me spiritual sight as he gives all of us spiritual sight. So even if we don't have our natural sight, we are spirit-sighted. Some people have their vision corrected with LASIK, and sometimes you have to have a cataract surgery. Some, as I stated, don't have the ability to see at all. A popular saying from my growing up was, I thank God that I don't look like what I've been through. I've been through a lot, and I'm sure that all of you here have also been through a lot. We've been to a place beyond seeing, a place that has given us a knowing, not just with our natural eyes, but with our spiritual sight. As Jesus was preaching in the temple, living and hanging out with the people of his day, many of them didn't see him. Many of them didn't know him. The wise were childlike and foolish, and only Jesus revealed his father to those whom he had chose to reveal him to. They knew. They were able to see beyond. Jesus came to restore wholeness and reconciliation to the broken in body, mind, and spirit. And we can expect and look for God to show up everywhere, at home, at work, in people, and in places. The promise is that God is an ever-present help, and not only in times of trouble. The promise is that God will never leave us, nor forsake us. Worries and overcompensating for what is diminished or missing in our lives we can find rest for our souls through Jesus. Discipleship Pastor Nelson spoke a few weeks ago about waiting and watching. Jesus is here now to help us and transform our suffering to hope, humbly and gently. And Pastor Joanna, last week, she shared with us that we are free from sin to work while we wait in the now and look forward to the not yet. Beyond seeing, beyond seeing, having faith, a faith to believe in Jesus. Accept his invitation 
that Jesus extends, come to me all who labor. Jesus calls us personally and he offers an exclusive invitation, VIP status. Only he provides rest for our tired, tapped out souls. So we must work while it is yet day. For we know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will return. Beyond seeing, I confess I am afraid of the dark. But I know Jesus told me, fear not, for I have overcome the world. I am the light of the world. And beyond seeing to knowing that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus meets you and I on this journey and will give us rest. For the yoke of the Holy One is easy and his burden is light. To God be the glory. Amen.